the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I guess you noticed that probably wasn't the world's best worship song. I mean, it strictly is kind of complicated. Didn't have something that we could all really sing together too much. Didn't, didn't have the lyrics on the screen and so forth, but it was more of an object lesson than a song, than a, than a worship. You know, this is a Sunday Bible study, so I can get away with that maybe. Um, the song is entitled Let You Go, and I wanted to talk about the lyrics for just a moment, because it's going to be relevant to where we're going to go tonight. I don't know if they've got that up on the screen, but the first verse says, We have sought the truth when we felt the pain. I had somebody ask me tonight why I'm going through so much. Because sometimes it's only when you're going through so so much that you feel the pain and you begin to seek the truth. You know, it's only in the curling and the resistance that makes your muscles strong or for the future, you know. So sometimes it's in the pain. Even wander beyond our faith in the name. We cannot pretend we're always okay. We cannot depend on fast food grace. Look. It's time we stop talking in platitudes and hypotheticals and get real with our situations. When we come into church, people got issues to deal with. The real life issues. They're not little, you know, toy plastic issues. You got real life issues, I got real life issues. And so when we get real with those, we can admit that we're not always okay. And the church is the place to do it. We can be real with one another because our brothers and sisters are here to help us through the hard times. They're also here to rejoice with us when good things happen. It's a real, it's a real family. We're a warm, fun, loving family, but I don't want to be a plastic one. I don't want to just know you on, on Sunday mornings and hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother. That'll be all I know from you. We got to help each other through this existence, don't we? This valley of the shadow of the death. Okay, so we're not just dependent on fast food grace. We've got to know the real grace of God. So he says, help me let you go. Help me give up control of the God, he says, little G God, of the God I've made you when my fear has contained you. What's he talking about? Well, I can't get inside his mind, but what, what I see, to me, what he's meaning is, it's time to let go and give up control because we try to control God. And because of our pain, we make him who we need him to be, but we don't want to really know who he really is. And so we, in, in our own minds, we begin to form a God. Am I telling the truth? Maybe not us, but I mean, some people. <laughs> anyway, he's saying, help me give up control of the God that I've made you. We can get so structured in what we believe, nobody can tell us anything, not even the Bible. We can see it in black and white for ourselves and see something about God, and then all of a sudden, no, that's not what I was taught. That's not what I believed, you know, my, my grandmother told me. And our fear, and we can have fear about any kind of thing. Sometimes our fear contains God. We're scared of the, a wild God with, with autonomy, a God who can make his own mind up, a God who can make his own decisions, a God who's in control. We won't want to let go, go of control. Anyway, the next verse says, when the way is unclear and the answer's elusive, he is different by far than our broken conclusions. In other words, we see through a glass darkly. We have conclusions about what we think about God. But you are not the God my pain has conceived. You are deeper and stronger than my eyes can see. You know, God is immensely more than you think He is. And you may think, man, God is unlimited. He's incredible. He's awesome. And you're right, but He's more than that too. He's bigger than you can ever picture. 
You are not the God my pain is conceived. You're deeper and stronger than my eyes can see. See, there's a connection, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The language barrier between us and God. See, there's a, well, we'll get into that. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. You're with us now. You've always been. When we're found without, you're found within. That's good, ain't it? When we're looking at the circumstances, we need to be looking within. Because that's where God is found. In the heart. Know you not that you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Anyway, without help, man does not know how to comprehend God. Isaiah 55, 8 says, God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything that you can imagine. He tells us right there. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. His ways are beyond our ways. We can't even imagine. It says in one place that it's not even entered in the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him, right? So God has passed us figuring out. Sometimes we need to just fall into the true grace and leave the fast food grace. Amen? We need to, at some point, we're just going to have to trust God. Tonight's message is entitled The Language Barrier. And we're on the third part of our series entitled Acts Right as we go through the book of Acts. Um, when I was in the 10th grade, they put me in an algebra class. Uh, I didn't know what that was. I got in there and they started trying to add letters together, subtract them and multiply letters and stuff. And I didn't know how that worked, you know. And so <laughs> I, was, I was a songwriter at the time, so when it got boring, I would just revert to writing songs in class. I never paid attention in class much. I was kind of rebellious, okay, just to be honest. In the 10th grade, I was real rebellious. And so I figured it was like one of those classes I could cheat, just like on the other ones when I didn't pay attention to, I didn't like, okay? How many know Alberture ain't like that? Did I say Alberture? I say that because my best friend, that's how he pronounced it. And I got to pronounce it like him because of a rebellious spirit. I didn't want to say the word like it's supposed to be said. Because I didn't like algebra. I wanted to call it Alberture, just like my friend. <laughs> All right, so guess what happened? I wrote a lot of songs in the class that year, but I got a big fat F. Okay, the 11th grade, you know, how many know you got to pass algebra before you can go graduate? So the 11th grade year, I said, okay, I'm coming prepared. I know what happened last year, I'm going to pay attention. So I came in class and I was ready to take notes. He said H2 plus P7 and whatever. Nice enough. And about 15 minutes later, I was halfway through another song. I was, uh, this is, you know, I was back there and they, what you doing, Sheffield? Oh, nothing. Just counting them off, you know. <laughs> I failed again. Big fat F in 11th grade. I had to graduate. So the next year, I took a different teacher. He somehow was able to make it interesting enough that I passed. Got through it, I, I mean, but it, it was tough. I hated Alberture. Guess what happened in college? You know you got to pass it in college? Well, we'll get to that story later. But there, there was a language barrier between me and Alberture. It's nearly impossible for us as natural beings to fully comprehend supernatural things. We need help. And that's where we're going tonight. We're going to talk about help. John 4.24, God says that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So that tells us, hey, that's something that we're not used to. We, we live in the natural realm, and we hear with the natural ear. And God is speaking in the spiritual realm, so there's going to have to be, we're going to need some help with the language barrier. Right? No, we're this heap of molded dirt. And he's this spirit being with life and all that. And so we need his help. How do we begin to understand God? Because most Americans have no clue. What I have found is most Americans get their theology from the History Channel. Have you, have you seen some of their documentaries and stuff? 
When I see CNN or any of these channels putting out some show about Jesus, it just it turns my stomach, makes me sick. I don't even have to watch it to know what kind of garbage it is. Because they never ask a real Christian who have, might have a clue about who Jesus is. But anyway, you know, the other half of America probably gets their theology off of a cereal box or watching Three Stooges reruns. I don't know where they get it. But it, it can be kind of crazy. We all got Bibles, but so many are, are quick to jump up and say, I, I, can't, I can't get anything out of it. I don't get anything. I read the Bible, but I, it don't make no sense to me. Well, if you spend half as much time you do, reading the Bible as you do trying to take the perfect selfie, maybe you'd get a little something. I'm telling you, as a preacher, I learned to depend on the Holy Ghost. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The Holy Spirit of God. I mean, I have to lean on Him. I, preachers have to pray for You see, I'm praying for the anointing. I pray that this place would be filled with His Spirit. I pray that the people would come in filled with His Spirit. That everybody would be in the, in the wavelength, so to speak. We'd be in, in the Spirit in one accord together. Because I know that God, I'm going to need the Spirit for Him to break through this hard skull to give me the message that you need to hear to know. And so when I'm in preparation, I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to help. Lord, let these be your words. You show me which direction. And then, I, like I said, pray for you guys. And then I pray that the Spirit gives me a mouth to, to preach it in a way that'll get through your hard skulls. And so that it'll be applicable. Did I say that right? I said it fast. I had to say it fast, so we're messing up. In your lives, there's certain words that I still have problems with. I think it stems back to my 10th grade year. All right, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Okay, it wasn't a good worship song, but I love the beat. Let me let you go. All right. 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 4. Apostle Paul says, My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, if the Apostle Paul could do it, that's what I need to be doing. <laughs> and he goes on down in verse 10, he, he continues on, he says, But if it, but it was up to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. You want to know the mysteries of God? You're going to need the Holy Spirit to help you dig them out. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. In other words, God's speaking in the Spirit, and if we're not listening in the, with spiritual ears, we're not going to be able to comprehend and dig out those mysteries. Verse 12 says, And we received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so that we can know the wonderful God things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from men's wisdom. Instead, we speak words given us by the Spirit using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. What are, what are the words of the Spirit? Anybody know? It's the Word of God. These, are, these were penned by men as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They're dripping with the anointing of God. These words are quick and alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide a soul's spirit and uh, soul and joint and marrow and garbage and trash or whatever. This, this word is spiritual word. This is spiritual food. You are, you know, you're a body, soul, and spirit. You're a three-part being. If you don't feed yourself spiritual food, you will get weak spiritually, just like if you don't feed your natural stomach, you know, some Twinkies or something. You know, you got to eat something. You got to eat healthy, you know. You got to eat a balanced diet. Same thing with the Word of God. You can't just live off the Twinkie scriptures. Huh? <laughs> Where was I at before I interrupted myself? Alright. Verse 14, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive the truth from God's Spirit. 
So you've got to be a spiritual person. You've got to recognize. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. In other words, the world ain't got a chance because they're not spiritual. They haven't been made containers of the Holy Spirit. They're just totally fleshly, driven by fleshly desires. They have a sin nature and an unregenerated mind, which some of us are still work, all of us are still working on. But their, their spirit is dead in its sins and trespasses. It's not alive to God. It's not receptive to hear from the spirit. So the first thing you got to do is get them born again so that they get the spirit before you get them, you know, you can, you can have somebody that's not born again. They can read the Bible and be a, have a PhD in Bible studies and be just as foolish as the world. And be like, where are you getting this stuff? You know, I think that's the guys that they go to on those History Channel things. <laughs> they do. There's, there's people on there as wackadoo, as Gary would say. The Holy Spirit helps break down the language barrier. He's the, the in-between between us and God. He's the one who helps explain things. He makes things possible for us to comprehend. He brings light to a world sitting in darkness. I got a short film that I wanted to show. If you, you would throw that little video on, it'll take about three minutes, but I thought this, this was pretty good. I like these guys, they, they, they break it down. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but what is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, Ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's Ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. So you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is Ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, Ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass, and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up, and God's Spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. The story is saying that God's Spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now. Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus, and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's Spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. 
when Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit. Hey, thanks for watching this video on the Holy Spirit. This is one of many videos that we make where we take a biblical theme. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Much of what he's talking about is that light it is the Holy Ghost, the life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except by me. So let's talk about Jesus just for a moment. And his, what is his relationship with the Holy Spirit? You know, before Jesus came, man understood very little about God, the invisible God that they served. You remember, God had invited him up on the mountain with Moses one time. He said, come on up. They got near the mountain and it was trembling and shaking and smoke and fire and clouds and, and stuff. And they said, uh, you go, Moses. We saw last time you came down the mountain, your head was glowing and stuff. We don't want none of that. We, they were scared of God. They, they didn't understand God. They wanted prophets. That's why there was just a few prophets, you know, because everybody else didn't really understand. They knew God was awesome. They knew he was the creator and some of them wanted to serve him but they didn't know much about his personality. And Jesus became one of us that he might do what? Show us the Father. That God might reveal himself in the person of Jesus Christ. John 14, 9, Jesus says, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, yet you still don't know who I am? See, he had walked with these disciples for three years. And he had hinted around about things and stuff but he's saying Philip says show us the father he says Philip come on now come on come on get it Philip anyone who has seen me has seen the father wow what a statement anyone who has seen me has seen the father so you're asking me to show him to you <laughs> look right here see the father the son and the Holy Spirit are all one Three distinct separate personalities, but one God. They are together in this. You can't have the Father and the Son without the Spirit. You can't have the Spirit and the Son without the Father. You can't take one out of that equation. They are all God. God, you know, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So Jesus presents us a picture of God. He comes to the earth and we see what God looks like. And he says, if you like what you see, I'll give you the opportunity to be molded into that same image. You remember we were created in God's image, but then the darkness fell. Sin descended upon the earth through our foolish choices. And we became dark. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. And so Jesus came and said, hey, you see me? You see the Father? You see what God is like? If you want this, you can have this. Because I've come to hit a reset button and give you an opportunity. Jesus says you can be... Reborn, you can be made into my image. It's the greatest photobomb of all times. Us in Christ. I don't know about you, I probably need a little bit more photoshopping. Jesus was the visual image of God on the earth. And the Holy Spirit is the invisible image of God and molds us into the visible image of God on the earth. Well, I better, better say that again. <laughs> or I get going too fast. The Holy Spirit, okay, first, Jesus is the visible image. He was the visible image of God on the earth. We could see God in him. Now, the Holy Spirit is the invisible image of God, but he's here right now, and he molds us into the visible image of God. Are you getting where God's going with this thing? 
Jesus could only be one place at one time. He's trying to make us little Christ. He called Peter a little stone. We're called Christians, little Christ. We're supposed to glow with that light. We're supposed to go around making disciples and making this earth shine. We're supposed to be like a city on a hill. Does that make sense to anybody? Did that video help get you get the picture started? I liked it. So how terrible is it when we're walking in darkness? Anyway, Jesus showed us God in the flesh. The Holy Spirit helps us experience God in our flesh. Better say that one again. Jesus showed us God in the flesh. What God looks like in, covered in flesh. And the Holy Spirit helps us experience God in our flesh. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Man, isn't that wonderful? Christ in me. That's our hope of glory. We wasn't going to shine until then. Until we, we let Christ in our life. And, but you see, Jesus really never left us. You know, He, he ascended into heaven. He sat at the right hand of the Father and all. But He but he's quickly sent His essence of who He is. His in spirit form into the into our, to our hearts. You see, it's Christ in us. Well, you say, well, I thought it was the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah. Because they're one. It's God's Spirit. It's Jesus. It's the Father. It's all, it, the kingdom of God is within us. Jesus really never left us. And He's making it possible for us to have personal guidance through every step of this light affliction we call it. Imagine how the disciples must have felt when Jesus said, I'm going away. In a little while, you won't see me. Think about that. If you would have been there, I mean, these guys gave up their job, their career, left their families. Some of them left their wives at home for a year at a time. All their hope, expectations. You know, they had invested everything in Jesus. Because they had hope that he was the Messiah. Imagine how they felt on that Friday afternoon when he said it is finished and he slumps over and somebody has to pull him off the cross and put him in a borrowed tomb. Imagine their hopes crushed at that moment. They, they would have given anything if Jesus could have stayed alive. They wanted to live with Jesus personally forever. I'm sure they did. But see, Jesus, the Son had to become like one of us to pay our debt, right? To reason he was here, to come and to be like one of us so that he would qualify as a man to pay the debt as a man. So he willingly trapped himself in an earth suit, thereby suspending his omnipresence. See, we don't realize that. Thus he limited himself to be only at one place at one time. We think about the sacrifice that he what he gave on the cross and the torture he endured and all that. And there's no, no doubting any of that. There's no belittling any of that. But sometimes when I think about the eternal things that he did that we just we don't even think about. See, Jesus is still in the flesh. I mean, he's, he's got his new immortal body now. But he limited himself. He willingly gave up his divine privileges to come be with us. And he chooses to be in a human form like us. He gave up His omnipresence where He could be everywhere at once. And in doing so, He knew that it would be more profitable for the disciples if He were to go. Because then He could send the advocate, the counselor, the counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7 it says, but in fact, Jesus said, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. He said, I know you like being with me and everything. And it's been great. But look, my work here is finished. But it's going to even get better for you guys. In John 14, 7, he says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. Isn't that, isn't that part of the communication barrier that we have? that we can't figure out what the truth is. The Holy Spirit will lead you in all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now 
and later will be in you. Well, how did they know it? How did they know the Holy Spirit? Because they knew Jesus. He's with them now. He said, basically he's saying right now, I'm just with you. But in a little while, on the day of Pentecost, I'm going to be in you. And you know me. He said, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Not when you get to heaven. I'm not going to leave you down there defenseless. I am going to be in you. This is getting better, folks. He said, I come to do a work and I have finished my work. I have run my race, finished my course like Paul said. Jesus could say the same thing. Now is laid up for me a crown in heaven. But I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in heaven and I'm going to be with you on the earth. Now, the works that I did, you'll do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. And I ever live to make intercession for you. Man, we're going to turn this... We're going to make this earth glow with the light. Together. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We're going to set you on a rock. A foundation. I'm going to, get, I'm going to set you out and all you've got to do is follow the Holy Ghost. He will lead and guide you in all truth. We got this thing figured out. I wonder if Jesus knew when He made these wonderful plans how resistant we would be to the Holy Spirit. He says, you stiff-necked people, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. In other words, you're missing the whole plan. For us to ignore, avoid, or dismiss the Holy Spirit would be just as ignorant as the disciples would have uh, uh, ignored, avoided, and dismissed Jesus back in the day. It'd be just as dumb as the rich young ruler who walked away sad when he had a chance to, to be discipled by the Master himself. For us to, and we do that. Well, we don't, we don't understand the Holy Ghost. It's, it's ooh, it's ah, it's, it's mystical. No. Who told you that? He's real. He's alive. He's powerful. He's on your side. And He is what's going to make us the people we need to be to change this world. You can see why Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait to be undued with power from on high before you do anything else. Look, y'all don't try to do nothing on your own. <laughs> Look, guys, listen. Y'all just go to Jerusalem and wait, okay? What'd they do? First thing they got there, Peter's like, Let's roll dice and see who's going to be the 12th apostle. <laughs> if they would have just waited, the Holy Ghost could have told them they wouldn't have had to roll dice. But this finally brings us to our text tonight. Acts 2, verse 1. Because we're, we're on a series about Acts, right? Right? You've got to read Acts. We finished chapter 1 last week. Or the week before, Bill preached last week. Did a great job. Acts 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. I want you to notice that it wasn't just a big ball of fire that they had to go to, but it, it was on each one of them. Each one of them had a flame, a tongue of fire. So the Holy Spirit is individual. You don't got to go to some place to, to, to be near the Holy Spirit. You take the Holy Spirit with you individually as you go. And you can fan your flame as bright as you want to. The Bible says be being filled with the Holy Ghost. A continual process. Because you can obviously run dry. How many has ever experienced when you ain't been to church in about two weeks? For me, it's just missing one service. It's like, what happened, you know? Kick the wife and beat the dog and everything else, you know? <laughs> I don't think pastors are supposed to do that. I know, I didn't run dry, you know? But... 
Verse 4 says, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And as you'll see, this isn't just their private prayer language. This isn't just praying in the Holy Ghost. It said this is a supernatural miracle. This, this language that they're speaking, it's not something that they need an interpreter. You know, it's not tongues and interpretation. It's not their private prayer language. But they are speaking in an actual language that they don't even know how to speak. Be like me speaking in Swahili here tonight or something. And somebody being from Swahili and understanding everything I say. And then you being over there and you speak Spanish and you're understanding everything I say. And I'm just speaking this one language. Kind of crazy. So it was supernatural. And the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And verse 5 says, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came a running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. That's a miracle. See, that's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as we'll get to. The Holy Spirit was, is here to break down language barriers. We've already talked about how He breaks down the barrier between us and understanding and hearing from God. But He breaks down language barriers between us or God and other people as well. He gives us tools to be able to speak a language that will cause people to want to be born again. Have you ever tried to speak to somebody in, that speak in French or something with a language you don't know? And you're just nodding your head, but you don't know what they're saying? You kind of be, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Uh, and then, then you're like trying to give signs back, you know, and you don't, you don't know any signs, but you're making them up, you know. And, and then they're not getting it, and they're going like, and they're shaking their head, and they don't know, and then you start getting loud. Jesus love you! And, huh? <laughs> right? It can be kind of awkward. But the Holy Spirit breaks down language barriers. See, lost people, they don't speak Christianese. They don't speak Bible. They don't speak, they don't understand spiritual principles. We understand it fine, and we just assume that we can say things like we talk to each other. To them, they don't get it. Sometimes we've got to be led. The Holy Spirit is here to break down language barriers, not only between us and God, but also gives us the ability to help others comprehend Him as well. When we witness, we need the Holy Spirit. You know, I've seen people go door to door and they got their outline, Hello, we are in the neighborhood and we would like to ask you if you died today, what happened? They just don't like Christians. You know, that's not the way to do it. That's working in the natural. That's why we don't teach a certain method. We, we may have opening lines or something, but you have, every situation is different. You've got to be real with people. The Holy Ghost is real. He knows what they need to hear, and if we'll follow Him, we'll get into the heart. And that's where we got to get. Man is often argumentative and, and everything else, and, and you're, we're, we're putting all these walls up around their hearts. But if we would listen to the Holy Ghost, He might just give you clues. There's nine major gifts that help us speak God's language in a way that the human heart will understand. There's a lot of gifts of the Holy Spirit, but there's nine major ones spoken of, mostly in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's turn there. We're about to close. I don't know how I make a 30-minute message go for 45 minutes every time. Y'all get me too excited. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It's talking about spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. These gifts are given to be given out. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. It's called a, a word of wisdom. 
one time my back was hurting so bad, and I used to play on the praise team, play guitar, and Gary remembers, man, I'd have to sit down all the time. My back was just really, I was thinking, I'm going to need back surgery or this or that, or I need to go to a chiropractor. And Troy, the drummer, he says, dude, it's them flat shoes you got on. I said, what? He says, yeah, you need to get some, some support in your shoes. I went and bought a good pair of shoes. Two weeks later, my back ain't hurt since, you know. Word of wisdom. It ain't hokey stuff. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom to help people. Practical, everyday wisdom. What'd you think he was going to say? Go wash in the Jordan six times or something? He came up, God gave him some practical wisdom and it helped me. To another, the same Spirit gives, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Like the time I was praying on the way to work one day and, I, and uh, our friend of me and Gary's name, Red, came to my heart and I was praying and something didn't feel right. And so I called Gary and I said, Gary, what's going on with Red? He said, I don't know. I may tell the story. I, I don't know if I remember it all as good as you do. You've told it before. But uh, I said, I don't know, Gary, but I really think we ought to pray for Red. We prayed for Red. We found out Red had been in a helicopter crash at that same moment. That's not right? Right? His own family gave him up for dead, didn't they? They were already buying a casket. Anyway, the Holy Spirit will cause you to... That, that's crazy. But people will. They will cling to the natural so much they'd rather see somebody die than see a miracle. Woo, that could do. Anyway, that's called a, a word of knowledge. Special knowledge. And so if, the, if you feel something like that and you feel an urge to pray for somebody, do it. Don't just dismiss it. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit gives faith, great faith to another. That's a special gift of faith. You know, we all have faith to believe God for a good thing, but all of a sudden something hits you, man. I'm believing for this. God's giving it in my heart. I know it. You had, a, you had great faith once you heard my word of knowledge that He was going to live. 100%. He knew that this was from God and, he was, and that despite all odds he believed for real. And that great faith may have been what pulled him through. He knew. He, he, you couldn't convince him otherwise. To another one, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives another person the power to perform miracles. Now will we all perform and do all these? No, he gives to each person severally as he wills. You know, we, we don't all operate in the gifts of miracles and healing and all those things, but at different times we may. Somewhere in your life you may operate in the gift of miracle. You may lay hands on somebody terminally ill and see them healed or something. Uh, be willing. Be obedient. And the Holy Spirit will use you a lot more than you think He will. He says He'll give to one person the power to form miracle, ability to prophesy. Prophesy really just means interpret scriptures. It means fancy word for preaching, really. We think of it as foretelling the future, but mostly in today, uh, it's, it's preaching the Word of God. So he gives people the ability to communicate effectively the Word of God. And it, it can mean that you're predicting the future, but you better be careful with that. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. So it's discerning of spirits. To know, man, is that guy from, he, he sounds good, but something in my spirit saying he's he's got ulterior motives or something. Or vice versa. You know, he don't really know what he's saying, but I can feel it's the Spirit of God on the man. So you can discern whether it's from God or not. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. That's the, the gift of 
tongues and interpretation. That's what it says in King James. <laughs> and that often happens in our prayer groups and stuff. And, and a lot of these gifts operate in our prayer groups and stuff. Someone may give a tongue. They, they feel an unction to, to, to... It just boils up in them and they, they say a loud tongue. When I mean a tongue, it's a... If you're born and again and filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in new tongues, it is a gift of God. It's your own private prayer language. But sometimes God will use your private prayer language to, with a boldness and you give a tongue in a, in a public setting, but there should always be an interpreter, someone to interpret. And, and either you interpret or somebody else may interpret. And, uh, and so you're hearing from God. You're speaking God's language. Why do we think it's crazy uh, a lot of people are scared by speaking in tongues. Ooh, that's of the devil. Well, be careful because it said, "Don't blaspheme the Holy Ghost." That's the only sin that can't be forgiven. All right, don't you know? So you you need to study up on that before you go that direction. Um, what is it? First Corinthians twelve talks about uh, speaking in tongues. Apostle Paul says, "I speak in tongues more than you all." You didn't know he was southern, did you? <coughs> but anyway. So, speaking in tongues, uh, a private prayer language is just, you're praying from the heart, not from the head. You don't even understand what you're praying yourself, but it'll begin to work its way to your head so that you can pray out in the, in the understanding. We pray in the Spirit, we pray in the understanding also. We sing in the Spirit, we sing in the understanding also. That's in the Bible. In that 1 Corinthians 12, I think, or either 14. I get confused. Is it 12? It, it is, because then it goes on to say, let me show you a better way in 1 Corinthians 13 to follow after love. Alright, so, so tongues interpretation is a gift. Um, it's an amazing thing to be in the presence of a tongue and interpretation when, you, when somebody you can, just by your discerning of spirits, can tell it's coming from God. See, people are scared that they can't hear from God. Some people are scared to hear from God. But if you're right with God, it's no, nothing to be afraid of. And it's an amazing thing to hear a tongue and interpretation or a prophecy or, or any, any of these spirits or to, be operate, to operate in these things. It's amazing. We shouldn't run from them. Uh, I guess I'll just close with the, the Alberture story. I'm running late. Okay, so I passed, finally, in high school, got to graduate, and I knew the secret now. I knew the secret to passing the class. So I went, I'm just gonna get right to the meat of the money. I failed it three times in college. Every time I'd start writing songs, I would try my best to pay attention to how to add a P and a Z. <laughs> and I could not do it. It didn't make sense in my mind. And you know what? It basically caused me to flunk out of college. I didn't graduate college basically because I got frustrated that I can't ever pass Alberture. And I'm never going to... Things we don't understand will cause us to rebel and cause us to push it away and we'll fail it and we'll fail it and we'll fail it and we'll never pass the test and we'll never go on to know what we could have been if we'd have got real with it and humbled ourselves and you could... What does the Bible say? If you ask a, a fish of God, he's not going to give you a scorpion. If you ask you know, a loaf of bread, he's not going to give you a serpent. A stone, yeah. Thank you. I just make this stuff. That's why you need to be like the Bereans and look up what I say. Don't just take my word for it. I could be wrong. That's a word. Bereans, yeah. Anyway, look, some of you have heard about the Holy Spirit. You said, nah, still not quite for me. And you dropped out. Yeah. Then you heard the message again. I've, I myself, since I've been here, I've preached it three or four times. I've preached it from every angle. New angle tonight, language barrier. But what I am saying is what that message is saying. That if we're going to light this world up, it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be in our natural strength. 
God didn't call us in our natural strength to do anything. He said, y'all just sit there until till y'all get endued with power from on high. Don't do nothing in your own strength. We will be down here rolling the dice. So, let me ask this question. Is everybody in here born again? You know if you died, you'd go to heaven? I believe I recognize everybody. Good. If you've heard this message about the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I'm not saying you, that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that you don't have the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, you become a container ready for the Holy Spirit, and you have a measure of the Holy Spirit. But I'm talking about something subsequent to being to your salvation. Paul says, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit since you believed? There is something subsequent. I think it's Acts 9 and Acts 18 or somewhere in there. Two different cases where they went and laid hands on them after they had believed, been baptized, and then they got saved. And then they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus, uh, John said that I baptize with water, but there's coming one after me that baptized with the fire, with uh, what is that? Holy Ghost and with fire. I, you know, it's part of running off the cuff here. I'm running out of steam. Maybe the Holy Spirit's telling me to quit. Okay, I quit. Okay, what I'm So you've, you've heard the message. You may have heard it more than once. You may have passed over saying that spooky stuff. I don't, I'm not getting involved in that. It's not spooky stuff. The world won't understand it, but Jesus said you'll be a peculiar people. You're not called to look good in front of the world. You're called to be set apart. You're called to get God's message and uh, promoted in this world and you're only going to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then Paul laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So if, if you're just going to let scared of speaking in tongues, you know, if that scares you and you're just going to limit yourself like that, there will always be a language barrier between you and God. You'll never know Him to the fullness and you'll never be what He's really called you to be. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.